0: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful people. Set us on fire with your love. Where we are weak, make us strong. Where we are timid, make us bold. Where we are confused, give us your clarity. And where we are dour and afraid, make us joyful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's so good to be back in Beckley. Uh, Thank you for the invitation to preach and thank you for hosting us this weekend as we've launched into a a three month journey uh, from all over our diocese and the Diocese of the Mid-Atlantic as well. Uh, About 30 of us who are gonna be spending the next three months learning about Anglican spirituality and its implications for ministry. Ordinance, people discerning a call to ministry, Uh, we're we're a a motley crew from all over, coming from all kinds of different traditions, happily landing in Anglicanism, and now discovering more deeply what it means. Uh, I say it's good to be back in Beckley. Um, As we drove into town Thursday evening, uh, Nancy was remembering that 20 years ago she spent parts of two summers here with high school kids from all over the country uh, in a work camp. Uh, doing housing renovation um, and we've been back from time to time and I'm really glad to be rejoined with my brother in Christ, my friend Chris Bora and Jody and the kids. Uh, we go back to Louisville days and um, it's, it's awesome to see, it has been awesome to see this church being born. Um, what, a, what a miracle of God. Uh, I celebrated and told our crew downstairs this morning when we met early that uh, just the continuity of God's work. Um, You will have seen that wonderful tapestry behind the baptismal font at the Easter Vigil. It's hanging downstairs. 35 years ago, that hung um, in a school cafeteria in Augusta, Georgia, as Nancy and I were planting Christ the King Lutheran Church, and now it lands here. God be praised. You know, when people walk into church, they've been beaten up all week. We live in a social environment in which we never quite measure up. We're soaked in an environment of criticism and comparisons, so much so that it feels normal. We're made to feel small at work, small in advertising, in almost every area of life. We swim in an ocean of criticism all week, and and, and then we walk into church. That's why services uh, at one church in Nashville, where we live now, begin with this little call to worship each week. To all who are weary and need rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. To all who fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a savior. And to whoever will come, this church... I know this about you. This church opens wide her doors and her heart and offers her welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad and grateful to have this gospel set before us this morning. The the lectionary gives us just the right words from our Lord, perhaps the greatest invitation we could ever receive. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light thank you lord jesus thank you for taking on our growing burden thank you for giving us this great invitation and thank you for The gracious gift of your presence and your power and thank you also for that yoke we'll come to that so who's being invited by jesus to himself those who are having a hard time of it those for whom life is is working hard and who feel overwhelmed they're they're fatigued and and overwhelmed, exhausted, weighted down beneath their burdens, distracted, worn out, anxious, sleepless. They're weighed down by physical labor, mental labor, their minds are strained, their spirits exhausted, spiritual labor. They're living in a world which is performance driven, not grace driven. They're laboring after happiness, laboring after fame driven by ambition, laboring after success and then there's the simple reality that some days everything seems laborious. Any of you know those days? What's making us weary? The conditions of life? Sometimes other people? We won't go there. Sometimes our own choices, sometimes our weariness is just a byproduct of who we are these days. Experiencing it all, all of life, more as burden than joy. I've noticed in recent years that the answer to how are you almost always brings the answer tired. I'm really tired, tired in the morning, tired at night, tired at work, tired at home, let's just say it, we're tired. And we need this great invitation from Jesus. Jesus invites us, come to me, all you who are weary. Those words have been immortalized in lots of different ways. Thomas Cranmer, the architect of of our prayer book, back in the 16th century, incorporated these words into the Anglican Communion Service intentionally. He called them the comfortable words. doesn't mean they're easy. That doesn't mean they're, they're soft or squishy. It means they're words that in the deepest sense give us comfort, heal us. The liturgy says, hear the words of comfort. Our Savior Christ says to all who truly turn to him, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Writing to Henry VIII in 1538, Cranmer described the the internal effect of hearing the good news of the gospel. He wrote, but if the profession of our faith in the remission of our own sin enter within us into the deepness of our hearts, if what we say goes deep into our hearts, then it must kindle a warm fire of love in our hearts towards God and towards all others for the love of God. Having used Jesus' own words to acknowledge the depth of human longing for the good news, the second comfortable word then turns again to Jesus to establish the depth of God's own longing, God's longing to respond, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The divine desire and the initiative to save, two sides, (coughs) Cranmer described it as the gyre, the flight pattern of a falcon. He called this gospel allurement. Now, we hear the word allurement and and we think of someone who's kind of dressed in in a come on fashion, allurement, Cranmer knew from the art the sport of falconry. Allurement was twirling bait to draw the falcon. And that's, that's the image that he seized on to describe the gospel. God, with his deep longing to heal us, to love us, to redeem us, lures us lovingly with this promise, come to me and I will give you rest. Have we never cried out, you and I, as the Book of Common Prayer compels us to do? The burden of them, that is our sins, the burden of them is intolerable. It's the burdened whom Jesus invites to come to him. So if you're burdened, you're in the right place. Jesus said in another passage, those who are healthy don't need a doctor but only those who are sick. We come to him when we sense our spiritual sickness, when we sense our burdens. The very first step to take toward Jesus is a frank and humble admission that we need him. Nothing keeps people away from Jesus more than arrogance and unwillingness to acknowledge that we need him desperately. And what does Jesus offer with his invitation to the burdened? He offers to ease their yoke, lift their burden, give them rest, and set them free. Nobody else can do that but Christ, for he's portrayed in the New Testament as the supreme burden-bearer. He bore our burden when he died on the cross. Jesus is the sin-bearer, the burden-bearer. If we come to him, he'll lift our burden from us. That's the very essence of the Christian good news. Almighty God loves us in spite of our sin and guilt and rebellion. He loves us and comes after us. He took our nature upon him, becoming a human being. He lived the perfect life of love. He had no sin of his own for which atonement was necessary. Then on the cross, he identified himself with our sin and guilt. In fact, he was made sin with our sins, Paul says. And he was made a curse instead of us in the God-forsaken darkness of the cross He endured the condemnation we deserve. And now, on the grounds of that sin-bearing death, if we come to him, he promises to lift the burden. Forgive us. Give us rest, full and free forgiveness together with a new birth and a new beginning. Jesus invites us to come to him if we're burdened, but we all keep asking, "What, what do we have to do? I mean, that's how, that's how deeply embedded in us performance-drivenness is. that we, we assume that we can't just hand it to him. There's something we have to do, surely. Well, the only thing we bring is our need. The sin from which we must re- be redeemed, the burden we need lifted off of us. The only thing we need to do is to respond to the invitation to come to him. Jesus has done everything else. Salvation is a gift that is absolutely free and utterly undeserved. Now, lots of people come to the party without, without really responding to the invitation. They, they come to church, they, they read their Bibles, they come to men's breakfasts and women's retreats and youth meetings, but, but they don't ever come to Jesus. Please, I beg you, Please don't come to all the side attractions without coming to the main event. Too many folks try to make it complicated, becoming engrossed, preoccupied with the externals of religion. They, they come to church to be baptized, and they should. They come to the bishop to be confirmed, and they should. Parents promise that for their children at baptism. They come to a pastor to seek his counsel, and they should. They come to everything and everyone, though, except the one who invites them to come, Jesus Christ. It's possible to come to all those other things and never come to Christ himself. Don't stumble over the simplicity of this invitation. Come to me. It's a gracious gift. If we've felt our growing burden and heard the gracious invitation, then we're primed to receive a gracious gift. Of course, that's redundant, isn't it? Grace means gift. Now, did you notice that although there are two invitations, the promise attached to the two invitations is exactly the same. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Now people's circumstances have always been different and God has always invited all of us to find rest in him. From the Genesis beginning, he's held it out as a gift. Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now the Hebrew word for Sabbath means many things, but three meanings stand out. Sabbath means one, take a break, stop, cease. Second, celebrate, give thanks. And three, and this has come to mean a lot to me recently, and I I learned this from our bishop's wife, Sally Brelove, as she was teaching some of us about Sabbath one day. The third dimension of Sabbath rest, which Jesus promises, is let the present be imperfect. Be content with what's unfinished in your life, at least for a day. Will you take a break, stop your to-do list for one day? Stopping is a way to trust God and to grow more discerning. You can indeed do what needs to be done in six days. Will you choose to celebrate? Goodness, beauty, and truth have not left this world. The insight to see and to say thank you is an offering to God that reshapes our lives. Gratitude may be the watershed choice we all make. All of who we are, according to Romans 1, flows from that decision. And finally, will you let the present be imperfect? Will you accept life as it is? God guarantees a future of joy, but for now, we walk a pilgrim walk in a dimly-lit valley. Will you submit to it being enough while you wait for the kingdom to come? You're invited to rest from the beginning it's what God has offered us. In Jesus, he reaffirms that offer. Come to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Rest in Jesus. But there's a little bit more, isn't there? There's that second part of the gracious invitation of Jesus. Take my yoke upon me, upon you and learn from me. Jesus invites us to take his yoke upon us. Lay down your burden. Lay down your heavy load. Load, learn from the one who regularly departed from the demanding crowds in order to go away by himself to a quiet place to pray. To take time to go to a quiet place is to acknowledge that the burden's not really yours to carry in the first place. The yoke that Jesus offers is a shared burden, and it's light because Jesus is the one who carries it with and for you. The Christian life isn't just taking it easy and enjoying rest. When we come to Christ, he first eases our yoke and then he fits his yoke upon us in its place. He's, he's not, he not only lifts our burden, but he places his burden on us instead. And that may sound like a contradiction. Wait a minute, you're going to take my load? Now you're giving me another load? There are too many of us who want the rest without the yoke. We all want to lose our burdens. But we don't want to gain Christ's. Nevertheless, the two invitations of Jesus belong together, and we have no liberty to pick and choose between them. So what's the yoke of Jesus? You you know this. Some of you know this better than I do. Uh, A yoke is a horizontal wooden bar that got laid on the the necks of oxen so that they could work in tandem. The the Jews spoke of the yoke of the law because in the Old Testament a yoke is a symbol of submission to authority. What Jesus meant when he said, take my yoke upon you, he explains by adding and learn from me. Not just about me to take upon us the yoke of Christ is to enter his school to become his disciples to regard him not only as our savior but as our lord and teacher which includes submitting our minds and wills to his lordship bringing every part of our life under his sovereign control and accepting his invitation to undertake with the great work he's accomplishing in the world to liberate to be liberated by bearing to liberate us by bearing the burdens of others and for us to take on that work To lift the burdens off other people we know. Not getting caught up in preoccupation with our own burdens so that we forget everybody else, or even worse, become a burden to them. We're called by Jesus to divest ourselves of our own worries and to accept Jesus' concerns for others in their place. To take upon ourselves a burden that actually lightens our load. Does that sound hard? It really isn't. It's the way of liberation because the burden we lose when we come to Christ is heavy, but the burden we gain when we come to Christ is light. A yoke is a work instrument, what we might think tired workers least need. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life a new way of bearing responsibilities. Realism sees that life simply is a succession of burdens. We can't get get away from them, thus instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Taking his yoke means obedience to his teaching as that teaching is given to us in the gospel. That obedience will develop in us a peace and a balance, a way of carrying life that will give more rest than we now find ourselves able to experience. Learn from me, not merely about me. Take my yoke, meaning take my word. Take my person, take me. Take my sermon on the mount upon you. Let me speak to you through it. Take my word upon you. Let me be your personal teacher through it. Every time we listen to Christian exposition of the word from this pulpit and attend to it with reverence, we're receiving instruction from Jesus himself. Every time we hear or read scripture with faith, we're sitting at Jesus' feet. The Lord's Supper is the most personal learning of all, for here Jesus even physically touches us. And he attaches a simple promise, and you will experience refreshing deep down in your lives. We listen to Jesus and find that his lessons are a better way to live. His gentleness is relaxing us and his simplicity is refreshing us. Rest. There are finally no techniques for the renewal of Christians or congregations. They're simply taking Jesus at his word, wearing his yoke. Tish Harrison Warren, who's an Anglican priest and a New York Times columnist, wrote a lovely book called Prayer in the Night. It's devotional reflections on Compline, the prayer at the close of day in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. She writes, praying Compline, praying at the close of day, we ask that God give rest to the weary as Jesus promised he would. Jesus calls the weary to himself, not the self-sufficient, not those with proper religious credentials or perfect instagrammable lives but those exhausted from toil from just getting through the day those burdened with heavy loads weighed down by sin and sorrow not the confident and successful he says come to me in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen Please stand. Let's confess our